This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We are. We are. We are Cultivate. 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 We are Cultivate. Welcome to a special mini-sode of Yule Crime, the show where Maddie and I discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear every Wednesday. This special bi-weekly segment is called Can You Crack the Cramp Word, which is slang for a difficult or obscure term, which I thought was very fitting. And joining me today is Allison Fry from the Allison in Wonderland podcast. And before we begin, I'd like to give her the opportunity to tell us a little more about herself and her show, before we get started. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. Like you said, I am Allison. I am from the Allison in Wonderland Mental Health Podcast, where we fall down the rabbit hole and go through the looking glass of mental health. And we talk about all types of mental health issues. And I also am a life coach in coaching in Wonderland. I'm just always in Wonderland. And I started on this mental health advocacy journey in 2007 when I lost my brother as a result of suicide. And I have just been full steam ahead ever since then, working on mental health advocacy and suicide prevention. So basically, I'm just out there talking about everything, whether people want to hear it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is a really great segue into my first question I have for you, which is, You have quite the emotional support team. Can you share with our listeners who they are? Yes. My emotional support team are my five cats. (laughs) All of my kids are grown and I'm a recent empty nester, but I do have five cats. Four of them are named after Futurama characters, but the one is named Moonshadow after the Cat Stevens song Moonshadow because I always wanted a black cat named Moonshadow. So... We've got Moonshadow, his twin Nibbler, Tuxedo Cat that is a complete thief, Bender, Scruffy who sleeps all of the time, and Kiff who is terrified of everything. So for anyone that watches (laughs) Futurama, we named them before we knew their personalities, and they are 100% spot on. Um, But yeah, they are definitely my emotional support team. Like. I was like working on like a really stressful, messed up website earlier for like, you know, my day job. And I was like, okay, I I know that physically I am just like incapable of taking a nap, but I'm going to go lay down. And then like three cats laid on me for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) Now I can go do the rest of the day. (laughs) It's amazing how animals can do that. Like they'll just like, it's like they just know. Like I have a dog and on days when I'm just really like, just kind of off. She will try to be as physically close to me as humanly possible. Like she's trying to merge with my body almost. <laughs> and those are the, the days where I'm like, yeah, you get me. You understand. Thank you. Yeah. I'm constantly <laughs> Googling like 
do most cats love their humans this much? Because everybody talks about cats being jerks. And I'm like, my cats love me. They want to snuggle. They want me to rub their belly. Like, they are so rotten. And apparently that's not normal. (laughs) (laughs) That is interesting. Yeah, because we had a cat growing up, Patches. And I could not tell you what kind of cat he was. But he was essentially a dog. Like, he would just show you his belly all the time. Just kind of follow you around, lay in your lap, give you lots of love, super chill. They are kind of jerks, though. They've learned interesting ways to get me up in the morning if I don't want to feed them at 5 a.m. Nibbler <laughs> will walk around my bedroom and knock things off of the dresser and the nightstand. And I sleep with like a sleep mask on. And Moonshadow has learned how to push the sleep mask off of my face. And then it never makes it past Bender. Bender, if it gets past Moonshadow, Bender will come and crawl up on my chest and like paw kind of at me like, mommy, give me snuggles. So they have like this phased (laughs) approach to make me get up and feed them at 5 (laughs) a.m. They're like, you know your jobs. (laughs) So they are kind of jerks, but they do it in a cute way. I know. Like, how does Moonshadow know to take my sleep mask off? (laughs) When you first introduced your podcast, you did go into a little bit about what inspired you to become a mental health advocate. Was there anything that sort of pushed you towards pursuing mental health advocacy? So it's interesting. I always tell people that my journey started when I lost my brother in 2007. I then also lost my mother as a result of suicide in 2010. And I say that that's when my journey started because that's when I really started paying attention to mental health. But Mm -hmm. then I'm in the process of writing a memoir also, Alice in Wonderland, Through the Looking Glass of Mental Health. And my whole life, I've, I've made two therapists cry. And I'm like, this is just normal people's lives, right? Well, apparently it wasn't. So that's what really got me on the journey where it was like sitting on the couch across from therapist and like, you know, working it out. I went and got a couple of degrees in psychology because I didn't understand what was going on and I needed to understand. So, you know, apparently I grew up in a home with a lot of mental illness and all of these things that I didn't realize. And I, people are like, don't say that you're broken. And I'm like, I kind of am proud of being one of the broken toys because I also mm-hmm. am a contributing member of society and one of the broken toys. So, I mean, it all started when I lost my brother, but definitely as I'm writing the memoir, I'm like, wow, I'm at age seven here. <laughs> this is definitely, it's, it all started a long time before that, but it's just grown since then. I think that, you know, I got a couple of degrees in psychology, but did not, I don't, I like life coaching and I like helping people with their careers because I've had a 20 year marketing career. I help, I like being people's peer support, but I don't want to be anybody's therapist (laughs) because I feel like the responsibility of losing my mom and my brother, and I I know it's not my fault, but I I feel like the responsibility and anxiety of that for our mental health professionals like, I, I don't know how they do it. So mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I will help in the ways that I can help. And then, you know, I know I've taken courses to know when to refer you to a professional that is more professional than I am. Yeah. <laughs> yep, for sure. So my last question for you, in the course of your podcast, have you noticed a common misconception about mental health that you'd like people to stop accepting as truth? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that it's more when I'm interviewed on other people's podcast, I 
I've noticed that the question comes up a lot that's, well, tell the audience what, what you missed. What can they look for? And I feel like I can say, well, there are all of these things going on in my, my brother's life. They do. It's like a psychological autopsy where you, you go in and you're like these things and these things and these things, Mm -hmm. but saying like, what did you miss? It sounds like it's putting blame and Mm -hmm. I don't feel like they're blaming me, but I get very worried that the message to the audience that's listening is that, well, these are the things that you missed if you if you didn't catch this because you're talking about a thousand things and I had one piece of this thousand piece puzzle so mm-hmm. I think the misconception is that you know obviously we, we we know now by the research we know suicide is preventable but mm-hmm. also there's no reason to blame people because they so-called missed something mm-hmm. because there's a lot of blame there's a lot of guilt there's a lot of what ifs I mean, there's a lot of emotions to losing anyone, mm-hmm. and I've lost people in other ways. I can tell you losing someone as a result of suicide raises a lot of questions that other losses don't. And I, I, I wouldn't want anybody to think that I'm saying, oh, yeah, if I'd known this, I would have saved my brother, which means you can save your, you know what I mean? I'm like, you, you know, mm-hmm. we have tools. We have this suicide prevention lifeline and all of these things. You don't have to know all of the things. Just, you know, be there for people. Be nice. Mm-hmm. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be good people. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely understand. That is, I never would have thought of it that way, but you're right. Like that, it does put that onus of what did, what did you miss or what did people miss when it right. comes to signs and symptoms and. Well, and we missed a lot. But like, do you sit down with everybody that is connected to one person in your life and talk about every single thing, an interaction you've had? Like there's, I mean, you're talking about people across multiple states and different types Mm -hmm. of relationships. Like, I mean, there, there are a few big things that were going on that I didn't know about. And I think the Allison that is now would jump in and be like, oh, something's going on. But -hmm. there's no way that the Allison that I was then would have known to do that. And not everyone is a mental health professional. Not everyone knows what things to look for, you know? So it it seems a little unfair to ask that question when... Well, and they're asking it of themselves too. They're thinking, what if I had done this? And what if I had done that? And what if I had done this? And I'm saying suicide is preventable. And if you're worried about someone, you can call or text 988 and just be like, hey, I'm concerned my person did this you know like should I be worried and they're not gonna like send a van of people with white coats to your house or to Mm -hmm. their house they're gonna chat with you and let you know things to you know look for and kind of like conversation starters and questions to ask and you know I'm a mental health advocate but I still refer people to 988 when they need the help it's not I'm not the professional that's getting the, the daily updated training on those conversations Mm-hmm. So, sure. yeah, I think that's the biggest misconception is the, what did you miss? And I'm like, so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to the trivia portion, is there anything else you'd like people to know about you or your podcast? I think the most important thing that I always like to share um, back to the suicide prevention part is 
really, if you're not here tomorrow, somebody will miss you. And I think that's a big misconception is that people feel alone and they feel isolated. But I can tell you that I've read about people that I didn't know about, celebrities or friends of friends that died as a result of suicide. And I mourn and I grieve and I I weep for them. And so even if you feel like no one around you would care, somebody would care if you're not here tomorrow. And I will be one of those people. So I just think that more than promoting my podcast or life coaching or anything, I really just want to promote the fact that you're really not alone and the world would be, you know, a worse place without you if you weren't here tomorrow. Beautifully put. Thank you. Well, everybody, I am Allison Fry. I am a mental health advocate and the host of the Allison in Wonderland Mental Health Podcast. I wanted to talk to everyone about suicide prevention before we hop into any other topics. I started this journey of being a mental health advocate after losing my brother in 2007 and my mother in 2010 as a result of mental illness and suicide. This makes suicide prevention a very strong passion that I have. This has led me down the journey of over 15 years of being an advocate for suicide prevention and mental health. This is the reason that I hop on episodes multiple times a week to discuss my personal lived experience and the experience that other people have had in mental health. I talk to experts, I talk to authors, I talk to people that have just lived through things in life that they wanna share so that you can feel a little less alone in whatever you're going through. What's really important about this though is that I am a mental health advocate, which means I talk about mental health all the time. You cannot get me to shut up about it. I am not a medical doctor. I am not a healthcare professional. So I'm an advocate. I talk about these things. But what I want to make sure that you really take away from this is that there are so many resources out there for help when you're in a crisis state. The National Suicide Lifeline has recently changed their number to a three-digit dialing or texting code. This is 988. When you text or dial 988, you can get in touch with someone local to you that is able to help you through the crisis state and find the resources that you need in order for you to know what the next steps are. So if you don't want to call or text 988 or you forget the number, because honestly, you're in a very stressful situation if this comes up, 911 is still available. The emergency room is still available. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. I really hope that everyone understands that suicide is preventable. And it's something that we all need to work on on a daily basis. We can save lives in ways that we never realized that we could. So now, awkwardly segue into Victorian cramp words. So are you well, ready? Well, it's okay. I, I, I use humor to mask my emotions, so let's have it. <laughs> That's the name of the game here in the Midwest, baby. We just, you know, 
absolutely deep inside. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Funnily enough, I was talking to my therapist earlier today, so you know, it's all good. Yeah, I talk to mine a lot. <laughs> People are like, "When are you going to be done with therapy?" Never. <laughs> no. No. I've done this it. This is a lifelong times. relationship. <laughs> yeah, I know. I basically told my therapist she can never leave me. No, oh, I moved out of state and made her get licensed in Kentucky so we could keep having to <laughs> I was like, I will pay for it. <laughs> what's, what's your Venmo? I'll send you some money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Your first slang term is doc. D-O-C-K. So... Obviously, I'm thinking not like a dock that you would dock a boat to, and mm-hmm. probably not like a dock that's a doctor. Okay, let's see. Whatever. What else could possibly be a dock? Debt of some kind? I don't know. Like, you're, or, I mean, like a document seems too on the nose, too. I would think, you know, maybe like a debt or something that you owe. I'm very way off, aren't I? That's a good guess. <laughs> you're going to be like, but- it's a spoon. <laughs> You were so close. Uh, Doc is Victorian slang for to deflower or to lose one's virginity. Ooh, okay. Well, you know what? That is, that's definitely a heavy debt to carry. It is. There's a lot of responsibility there. Your second slang term is crummy dos so c-r-u-m-m-y and then dos d-o-s-s <laughs> and if you want me to That's use it in a fair. sentence i can use it in a sentence you might have to because i <laughs> now i'm like i don't know like what did they use you know for protection in the 1800s <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know because it was probably really gross <laughs> Yeah, probably. And that's why they called it a crummy dosh, right? (laughs) Hillary needed to make sure that she had enough coin for her crummy dosh that night. Dinner? (laughs) (laughs) Some really crappy dinner? (laughs) You were close with the crappy part. So uh, crummy dosh is a lousy or a filthy bed. Okay. At like a boarding house. So a lot of times when you would hear in, you know, like Victorian England shows when they're talking about needing their DOS money, that is them needing money to pay for their bed for the night. There's some docking going on at that crummy DOS. (laughs) I hope not. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) That's an establishment I do not want to be a patron of. Back before a black light technology. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) Well, I would like to thank Allison for joining me today for Can You Crack the Cramp Word? And before we go, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and when new episodes of your podcast come out? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to find me is to go to allisoninwonderland.com and it has the links to all of the things and it's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-I-N wonderland.com. 
swear to God, I got that domain for like $10. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I generally post my new episodes on Sundays. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been lovely talking to you. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and I'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.